we've scoured the web to bring you some of the most interesting stories about parenting, relationships, and mental health, including a teen's perspective of her dad's online surveillance, choosing to live a child-free life, and are depressed kids bully magnets. Get the latest news this week on Family Anatomy. psychologist but they're not your psychologist so if you need to talk to someone about family or mental health issues you can get a referral from your family doctor this show is for information only welcome to family anatomy your source for parenting and relationship information with your hosts dr giuseppe spazzano and dr brian mcdonald you can find us at familyanatomy.com or over on itunes and let's get right into it today we're doing a top three things now that we're back from holidays it's been a lovely holiday season. It's um, holiday season, isn't it? It's, it's kind of well for me. That's <laughs> it's the that Christmas starts now. Oh, okay. You yeah. celebrate early and the, often. I do. Yeah, it's yeah, a half well, year thing for me. We sort of traveled and we traveled together a little bit, and we went back and forth. Like I know our family, we were away, and then we were back for a few days, and then away again, and back a few, and away, and we just couldn't get together for for recording anything. So we wound up running a, a couple of reruns that were topical i guess to the season the back to school season was the last one about homework right we were away with your family yep and then we came back home had to recover from that Mm -hmm. that took a lot of recovery and then we went away again (laughs) and the second time was a longer trip for us right and you know we had a great time and now we're back in the studio back to the swing of things back to the old grind back to work and That's right. The first story that we're going to talk about is one that came out not too long ago, right around, well, soon after, I guess, the news broke about the NSA online surveillance. And uh, it's, it's from a website called GigaOM. And the author there, Matthew Ingram, is talking about how he spent, well, around a decade, I think, uh, following his kids' behavior online, spying on his kids. Spying on his kids. Used. That's the first story. The second yeah. one is, uh, I guess it came from the cover of a Time magazine that was out recently. Yep. The child-free life when having it all means not having kids. Wow. And then the third one, it's a little bit older, but I just found it so interesting. It came across uh, my email not too long ago from CNN, actually. I went back and found the original article in Child Development, but a story from CNN. Are depressed kids bully magnets? So let's start talking. Let's go to the GigaOM story first about online surveillance. He said, that. He, so he, he said if he would have had the tools that the NSA used, he would have used them. <laughs> That's how much he was into it. He really, <laughs> really did get into it. His name's Matthew Ingram. And he said he used a variety of tools over the last 10 years to snoop, he calls it snoop, on his three daughters and their online behavior. Yes, he did. Now, it started, well, partly because 
I thought this was kind of funny. Like one of the main reasons that he decided to do this was because he, as part of his job, needed to learn how the software worked so that he could write about this software. So that's one of the, he used his kids as guinea pigs. He did. And he wrote three articles and then his daughter wrote the fourth. Yeah. In the first article, he talks about how, you know, he struggled with, um, you know, trying to find a balance between invading his children's privacy and also trying to keep them safe and supervised while they're online. Well, and you read the comments at the end of those articles, and it is a a pretty, I'm not sure how even it is. I didn't go ahead and count how many votes on either side. Well, his daughter, actually, in the fourth article, talks about it's pretty evenly split. Pretty split down the middle um, with some pretty strong feelings on either side, for sure, about whether it's okay for parents to keep such a close eye uh, on their kids' activity or whether it's not. Well, his own experience was, I guess he has the three daughters, so he starts with the first. Yep. And uh, really the only thing he found concerning was that she had tried marijuana once and they had a chat about it. They talked about it right away. seemed to be, you know, not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. And um, he told, at, around that time, maybe even before then, he told his daughter that, look, I have ways of knowing what you're... He didn't give her the specifics, but he said, I, I can tell what you're doing online. So the things that you're putting online, might there might be things that we'll need to talk about. So that was a warning uh, at the beginning, but, you know, it's it's like those uh, documentaries where they have a camera in the house where you and you tell them there's a... Yeah, you forget, right? So they probably... The daughters, the first two at least, forgot, I think, uh, that this was happening because they they couldn't see that he was watching. Right. Whereas the third one, there was no way of him concealing the fact that he was online at the same time. Well, because by then he was looking at Facebook and Tumblr and all of those things. And they were talking, you know, if, if the address of her website changed, she would give him the new address. If she changed her username, he would, she would give her dad the new username. And she said, sometimes she resented that. But at the same time, uh, she felt like there were lots of benefits of knowing not that her dad was watching every single thing that she did, but knowing that her dad was kind of out there keeping an eye on things. And plus, it felt like, it sounded like what she was saying is that her her dad's voice was in her head in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Which is something that we talk about, which is a good thing. Right. That before she was doing things, she would sort of reflect on, oh, yeah, I wonder what dad would think or mm-hmm. dad's watching right now. What would he say about this? Or she, it was a, it was a way to reflect back on her behavior before... I guess it's, you know, a way to not just be impulsive with what you do too. Right. 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 And so I think she, she said she appreciated that aspect of it, Mm -hmm. even though she was resentful of, I think, you know, it sounds like he was a little bit too, I mean, it's 10 years. He's really over involved. It took a lot of time. He said, you know, and and it's also, I think the age uh, that she was at the time too. I think, Here's an example. Um, you know, my son has been using Skype. This, is, this happened to me. It's interesting right, that right. this article came up because this has happened to me indirectly. Uh, I mean, I didn't do it intentionally, but this is, this is what's happening. Right. My son's using Skype to text and, and talk to his friend. Mm-hmm. And it's my Skype account. So my phone rings at the same time that the computer rings. Oh, okay, right. With whatever texts, mm-hmm. for instance, right? Mm-hmm. So when he's texting, I get it on my phone. 
Right. And that's just a happy accident. As far as I'm concerned, it's a happy accident. Sure. Because I'd like to monitor. Well, and he's he's only He's only turning 10 yeah. this month. And he, so, does he know this? Does he know? He does know, getting, but okay. it's one of these things where, look, I, I see what you're typing there. So, you know, I didn't like this. This was not appropriate. And we have a talk about it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he knows that. But it's not like he sees my face while he's typing. You know what I mean? It's one yeah. of these things where I've told him I can see, mm-hmm. but he probably forgets from time to time. And, you know, it's like that. And because he's 10, I think it's totally appropriate. Well, and you certainly hope that he's going to think before he puts something out online. Yeah. Right. Of and course. I mean, it's fake. not all inappropriate. There's been the odd yeah. one that has been, and I've had to talk to him about it. Well, you know, my son, my older son recently graduated from elementary school, and he's moving up into the high school level. And, and again, there's more extracurricular activities, and there's more after-school things that are going to be going on. So one of the things that he, they, one of the gifts that he got for his graduation was a cell phone contract that he has to continue paying for. So I don't know how much, of, he sometimes says, I don't really know how much of a gift this is. I have to pay for this bill every month. But the the cell phone came with some ground rules too, uh, where you know we told him right away, you always have to answer calls or respond to messages from your parents. You know, If you're with your friends or whatever, if the phone rings and you see that it's one of us, you have to pick it up. Because we're not just going to call you just to say hello. It's because there's something, something really that we important need to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're with your friends, uh, we also said that if there's something that we're worried about, we might take a look at what's on your phone. I'm not saying that we're going to do that, and we trust you. But if there was ever something that we were concerned about, we would definitely take a look at it. Uh, and he's come to us to talk about messages. You know, now now with these group chats and things like that, sometimes there are people that he's not as close friends with who have been added to some of the group chats that he's been involved in. And there is every once in a while, there's a bit of cyberbullying that's happening among mm-hmm. some of his friends. And he's like, well, I don't want to be involved in this. And he comes and talks to us about it. But that's the thing about these articles. And I think that's the thing, you know, with your son and with my son is that outside of this online surveillance, there's a lot of other things happening. There's a whole context, right? The third daughter, it wasn't that she just heard at the beginning that she was going to be monitored and forgot. Right. She knew all the time because it was obvious when she got online that her dad was also there checking it out. And not necessarily right, right there, but you know, if you have a Facebook account and your dad's your friend, the right. people that you post to are, you know. Yeah, so it's more, it was more obvious for her. Right. And yet she, con- she says she consented to it. Mm-hmm. She was okay with it and mm-hmm. she consented. She didn't like it probably because he was maybe micromanaging a little bit too much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the fact that she consented to it and in the end says it was a good thing. Well, and, and that's what she's saying. Tells you that there's something about their relationship yeah. that's gone right. 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 And you her know? dad eventually said, you know, now. He has to take the step that he that maybe is a little difficult for him and trust his kids and well, he stop the surveillance altogether. Because here, I think, is the delicate balance that you're doing. To me, you know, anytime you're talking about privacy versus safety, safety has to trump privacy. Right. Right? With so there's kids, that yeah. with your kids, right? So you, you have to have that. The, the other part of it, though, is that if you're in there, especially as they get older, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. And, they, and they deserve more trust and they deserve more, they're, they're finding out their own personalities and they're experimenting a little bit, hopefully safely, right? right? right. Um, you're taking away their chance to, to have some self-efficacy, right, and th- to feel like they're their own person, that they, that they can accomplish things without 
their their parent doing it for them mm-hmm. or yeah, thinking yeah. for was, them. He was right? concerned about their own development as they got older. That's it. So he backed off their own way, and that's when he that's when he backed off. You know, one of the other important things about this process is that he he talked to them about what he was doing. It wasn't a situation where everything was in secret and they didn't know he was watching. And then he came, you know, as as if he had read their diaries and tried to pretend. Well, I'm not going to tell you where I got this information from. A lot of the, the it was that up front, so kids, they it that's it. Front, so right, that's it. Because if he would have done it without saying, then the the trust issue would be even greater. Exactly. Right. Right. So we maintain uh, the trust while maintaining the the surveillance, and in some families, maybe it would be too much. He he might be too involved. But for him and his relationship with his daughters, I mean, according to the daughter who's writing a long article about it. She said it worked for her, and she appreciated it in the end. Yes, and the truth is the best surveillance is not you snooping. The best surveillance is that you have a really good relationship with Uh your son or daughter, and they come to you just like you said your son comes to you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They want to come to you. They want your direction. They want to hear what you think. And your positive relationship with them allows them to have your voice in the back of their mind saying, hey, you know, should you really be writing that? And for them not to say, who cares what dad thinks? And yeah, here's the other thing, though. Like he tries to, he's comparing this to the National Security Administration, NSA right. in the States, mm-hmm. and what the, the revelations recently with uh, Snowden and so on. Yes. It's a big difference here. <laughs> okay, there's a big, di- not just the scope, not just the right, scope. Right, In terms of if the, if the government is looking in on your things versus your parent, the government doesn't know who you are, mm-hmm. has no reason to trust you. As a matter of fact, the reason they're looking into it is because they, they're they looking for yeah. someone they don't trust. Don't trust you, okay? yeah. The parent is looking because they have your best interest in mind. Let's hope. Right? They're not there to prosecute you. Right. <laughs> That's what the government yeah. could be there to do. That's, they don't care if you're doing things fine. They're, they're there to potentially go after you if there's a, a problem. Well, right. And I mean, you read what he said, and one of those discussions that he found out about was about marijuana use, and they sat down and had to talk about it. It wasn't that he locked her in her room and took away the internet and, you know, took away her phone and she couldn't contact anyone. She wasn't grounded. They had to talk about it, and hopefully she learned something from that and maybe might make different decisions down the road. I, mean, yeah, I don't think there was a trial there. Once. Yeah. There was no prosecution whatsoever. Nope. No, because <laughs> they trusted one another, it sounds like. That's it. So, so let's go on to the second article, shall we? Let's do that. So this is uh, the cover story of last week's, I think, Time Magazine, The Child-Free Life. When having it all means not having kids. Wow. You know, I feel they like... They go from... Do you remember we talked about the attachment parenting one? Like, yeah. are you mom enough? That's and now right. all of a sudden it's, well, why do you want to be a mom anyway? What's well, wrong with you people? I feel like the magazines are... Um, they're losing uh, subscribers. Sure. And so. <laughs> they're having more sort of uh, topics on the front pages that get people excited. Well... Right, it got us excited to talk about it. Well, anyway. it worked. Yeah, it, it did sure work. Did. It worked for us. <laughs> We're in. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing: they have a bunch of stats. Let's just start I with that. So I thought okay, so, yeah. so one in five women today don't have children on average. And let's in, let's, in North America. Let's clarify right? that they're talking to women. Uh, most of the research and the statistics are on the moms who are deciding whether or not they want to have kids. Right. There's, the, I think there was one dad that they interviewed in the article, but it's none of these stats are focused on the dads, which is fair enough. Yeah, right? fair enough. 
One in 10 was the case in the 1970s. So twice as many women are choosing not to have kids today as in the 1970s. That's right. And these are aged 40 to 44. So they, yep. it's sort of the end of their choice to decide, That's right. right? That's right. And uh, the interesting, other interesting thing that uh, you brought to my attention first. Uh-huh. Tell me, <laughs> what was that? In Italy, 25% of women never give birth. Wow. Quarter. A quarter. All Italian women never give birth. Mm. You're mm. going to be outnumbered by... The Spaniards, I don't know. I don't know. Who will <laughs> I don't know, but I, I you know, I don't I wasn't, think Spain was any higher. I wasn't uh, born in Italy myself, so, yeah. you know, I'm not the reason that's happening. No. And you have two kids. And that's, that's, right. that's kind of the average, I think, in the U.S. How that's many right. Kids they expect That's to right. Exactly 2.0. Right. Oh. 2.0. Yes, because the statistics go 1.8, 1.5, but in the yeah. States, it's 2.0. 2.0. We don't have um, Canadian stats, unfortunately. It wasn't we, on the list. Yes. One in eight women are childless when it's a higher income um, Expect group. to remain childless, even. It's right. not just our childless. They expect to stay that way. That's right. And one in 20 are childless or expect to remain so when they are in uh, the lower income group. So it does depend on income. Right. Which is interesting, right? Because one of the people that they interviewed was the director of uh, Carolina Population Center, I think it was called, the Carolina Population Center. And he he said, you know, people are, are working and they're, you know, going to school and, you know, they might choose not to have kids for now because they haven't ha- found a partner yet that they want to have children with. And while all of those things are kind of delaying the decision, they're getting used to a certain kind of a lifestyle, which I thought is very interesting because those decisions are more and more delayed. People, I mean, the transitional stress that we've talked about before, right, might become bigger. And and you do give up something when you have I mean, you gain a lot. But there's definitely something that you give up. That's right. The, the, the three factors they said, education, work commit, commitments, and lack of a desirable partner. Yep. Those three things. And then, you know, as, as you get older, because when you're younger, the, I remember seeing this graph uh, many years back, and it had, when you're younger, you have uh, a, a small, there was this, this uh, rectangular, imagine this rectangular bar graph, right? Okay, and at the I've bottom, got it. I'm picturing it. You now. got it? Yeah. It's a rectangle. Okay. <laughs> The bottom is a little sliver of a rectangle that says experience. And the top has this huge piece of the rectangle that says dreams. Right. Right. And as you get older, it sort of starts to flip itself. So if you're in your 40s and you haven't had kids yet, you're not still imagining. I wonder what life would be like without kids. You're, You're living it. So you know what I mean? And your life is filling up and you're looking at yourself and going, do I really... Do I really need kids now? I mean, what what's my life going to look like? Well, this is what it's going to look like. It's it's okay. <laughs> I don't right. mind it. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. The, the other part that there was another interesting statistic though. There, forty nine percent of childless women between forty and forty four are voluntarily childless. Right. Childless. So a little tiny sliver, more than half, uh, are childless, but not by choice. But not by choice. So that might be that either the woman or the man is infertile, or it might be they don't have a proper person that they want to have a child with uh you know so it's not just by choice it's about half and half that's true that's true and and for me one of the most interesting things was was the interview with the couple who even even though they don't have kids they had you know some little i think the dad had a book about how to raise a nerdy child and the mom had a uh 
a tutu, a pink tutu that she would give to a, a, a child. And they have that kind of put away in a closet. And they said, look, we've had to grieve the life that we might have had had we, uh, had we chosen to have children instead of remaining child-free. But if we changed our mind now, we would be grieving our current lifestyle. So either choice, there's, you're, you do give up something and there might be a grieving process associated with that. And I thought that was neat that here's a couple who have made that decision and they're, they're sort of in, that's the path that they're planning to follow. Uh, but they still said, look, it was a process for us. That's right. But now the vast majority of people still do have kids, right? Absolutely. So the pressure yeah. is on the people who don't have children, right? There's more pressure and there's more prejudice. And that's one of the things they're yeah, trying to address social, in this article, yeah. that there's yeah. a social pressure. There's this prejudice against them. And, it's and so you never, the, the one thing that was interesting to say, uh, the, you hear people say, so why did you decide not to have kids? Right. Right. right? Yeah. Or but you don't you really hear is yeah. you don't really hear the opposite, right? Why did you decide to have kids? Yeah, That'd you be a, <laughs> insulting question. Why did insult. you decide to there, have kids? There is this is a really loaded area. Yeah, you know what it really is. is. It's and it's such a especially in countries like the U.S. or Canada where independence is so valued, where you know, being good at your job and the status associated with your job is so valued. I mean, on the one hand, women are expected to rise high in their professions and to do X, Y, and Z, and on the other hand, well, if you're not a mom, well. Well, that's the other thing. It's We're talking about women making different choices, right? Right, right. And so, you know, you have to think to yourself, when's the last time you saw an article in a men's magazine that said, having it all? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We just get it all. We just get, we just get it. We just get <laughs> right? It. It never said, you, you never have those articles where, uh, how how well are you balancing your family yeah, and work yeah. life? You just don't. So so there is a lot of pressure there. And, um, you know, the, 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 what they were saying in the article is that a lot of women that decide not to have children feel like they're not really women unless they have, like that, that's the pressure that's put on them. Um, and that maybe they're being selfish and this kind of thing. And I think, you know, the, the sad thing about this is that I think because there's so much, it's such a weighty subject, there's so much right. rides on it. Your life does change so dramatically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So much is riding on it. There's this, uh, there's this feeling like that when people make the choice either to have kids or not to have kids, mm -hmm. that it's somehow that decision has to be justified. Do you know what I mean? Some they have to explain in some way, in some you way. have to explain yourself in some way, and it, and if someone makes a different choice, then they have to defend that choice, and and it, there's there tends to be some some tension between your friends that you grew up with that decided not to have children, right, and and those that decided to have them, and there's there's it's a bit cliquey that way. Well, and that is that's an idea that certainly rang true for me because I mean I mean I'm sure you've you've seen the same thing happening mm -hmm. in your life, right? You have kids yep. and you find more and more your friends who chose not to have kids or who were single or whatever, you, you don't see them so much anymore. That's right. You're spending more time with your And that's probably what they and, say about us. Well, it, you know what I mean? It, well, when you read the article, it's exactly that. They had one person who was saying that, that people who have kids sort of think that those who don't have kids, it's their old age where it's going to be lonely and they have nobody to come and look after them and visit them. But the fact is it's late thirties, early forties when the parents are all going to the extracurricular activities and they're spending all of the time doing homework and those th kinds of things. Uh, and the folks without kids find their friends drifting away. 
That's and right. They're and they, very and, isolated. And that's that it. So they talk about this. Now, I haven't seen this myself, I should say. I, I see the, the friends that I have that have decided not to have kids. They're, they're doing okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. But I could see where maybe not in my anecdotal evidence that I have, but generally you say to yourself, well, uh, I I see that, that, you know, the the friends that I had had kids and then there's this period where they have kids until they're empty nesters Mm -hmm. where they're kind of, they disappeared. Yeah. You know, they disappeared. And then, oh, look, they're back. The the kids leave the home. And, oh, my gosh, they're back. If that ever happens, I don't know. It's quite a long stretch there. You and me. I mean, I'm at the soccer field four times a week. We're doing. And when are we going to have time to just drop everything and go meet somebody who who doesn't have kids and who isn't on a schedule? The interesting thing is one of of, uh, a couple that I know. Well, maybe it's not so interesting, but there is a couple that I know who chose who made this conscious decision to keep that child-free lifestyle because they both felt like they they couldn't give what a child would need right they feel like they were sort of focused on themselves more uh and when we plan things if there are events or anything like that that we invite them to they're always too busy to come and attend right attend <laughs> that's right I, I said to them, what are you doing what are you doing all the time oh we have to go furniture shopping we can't mm-hmm. come to your yeah, no. child's 10th birthday uh-huh. party <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like I say, your life gets filled up, right? It has to, the, uh, yeah, nature abhors, abhors, what is it? Nature abhors a vacuum. Abhors? Abhors. Sounds like abhors? A, abhors, like that's it. it. Abhors. abhors. Yeah, I would say abhors. abhors sounds Hungarian. Does it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, I'm going to have a lot to do in post-production on this episode, editing out our little non-sequitur asides. No, that, anyways, yeah. <laughs> Oh, we've been apart for too long. Yes. You know, anyway, I think we talk about know, the schedule thing. with the with the kids and the families with kids, and you know, I brought one of my kids over, and he's playing with your kids right now downstairs. That's right, and they're so, having a fun time yeah, and a not time. interrupting our podcast just Yet. now, which is good. Yeah. Uh, but one last thing on this, I think, you know, that old expression "live and let live." would go a long way here except that there's so much pressure like there's just so much pressure and it does alter your life so much but you know if people decide that the way the way it would work better if people decide not to have kids that's fine if they decide to have kids that's also fine and this and the research backs us up too your happiness number does not hinge on that whatsoever no no so so either choice is perfectly fine you know and i think i wrote three, four years ago on the website, there was a book that came out about not having kids and how terrible it is to have kids. 40 Reasons Not to Have Kids by a French author. And uh, I had written about that. And at the time, I mean, I, I said then the same thing I would say now. If somebody doesn't want to have kids, they probably shouldn't have kids. If you right. don't want kids, you know, why are you listening to other people saying, oh, you should have kids, you should try it. I mean, if you don't want kids, don't have kids. Easy. And people with kids stop pressuring the people who don't That's have right. kids. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Leave them alone. Yeah, they're just, they're just they're make, they're having their life and they're enjoying it. They're, if they come to you for advice, that's different. It's this kind of defensiveness that you have to defend your position. Well, you know, and partly, you know, partly, I'm sure it's their parents, right? You know, when are we going to be grandparents? There's right. there's pressure that comes from there. It's not just general societal pressure. I'm sure that when my sons get married, I'm probably going to say to them, "Hey, you know, grandkids would be pretty cool." Yeah, I don't know what their choice will be about having them versus not having them, but there you go. Well, if you're poking them with a branding rod, I think that's probably not a good idea, I and that's a lot to, of pressure, though. I won't pressure them in that way. Good. 
<laughs> Let's get to our last story. Possibly, well, the most research-based, I guess, out of the ones that we're going to talk about, a study that came out a year ago, but so interesting that we needed to discuss it. So this is an article from Child Development called Longitudinal Associations Among Youth Depressive Symptoms, Peer Victimization, and Low Peer Acceptance, an Interpersonal Process Perspective. Or as CNN calls it, are depressed kids bully magnets? Do you know the, the writers at CNN <laughs> earn their money just for <laughs> translating do. these headlines into something that people would actually want to read about? That's right. That's right. So this is uh, Dr. Karen Koshal, the assistant professor at Arizona State University in Phoenix. She's the lead author. They looked at almost 500 kids and tracked them uh, from grades four through five and into six. That's right. And, and, what they're talking with, what they want to know is which comes first, right? It's sort of a chicken and an egg question because the research so far has been mixed about whether someone who is rejected by other kids and becomes a victim of bullying then eventually becomes depressed, or is it the depressive symptoms and, you know, somebody who cries easily is going to be rejected by their peers and bullied by other kids at school. And so they wanted to look at these kids over time and see if they could come up with a model that makes sense. That's right. So they surveyed parents, teachers, kids, and peers. That's right. Over these three years, grade four, five, and six, like I said earlier. Mm -hmm. And they looked at two specific variables, depression symptoms and social acceptance. Yes. So they were wondering about peer victimization and, and peer rejection were the two, the social acceptance variables that they were considering in their model. And what they found was that the depression comes first in the chicken and in the egg question, is that kids who are depressed tend to be a year later, they're more likely to be bullied, and a year after that, they're more likely to be rejected by the other kids in their school. In grade six, that's right. Mm -hmm. So when you look at it that way, you start to wonder, I guess, and, and the author yeah. took pains to, go, to say, this is not something that means we should be blaming the victim. Right. Right. Obviously because not. Because you could say, well, yeah. you know, it's because they're depressed that they're being bullied. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? No, but we've talked before about bullies when we talked with Dr. Neufeld about alpha children and the idea that kids who become bullies are kids who have trouble feeling vulnerable themselves, but they're very good at picking up on the vulnerability of others. And so when you're showing a lot of depressive symptoms, that's something that could be noticed by a bully who, whose radar is tuned to those kinds of things. That, that we're on the, and we're on the same page with that. Uh, and we're, we're taking our lead from Dr. Gordon Neufeld there, right. which is the, you know, kids all have a certain amount of uh, this, this instinct to, to dominate to lead and when that's coupled with caring and responsibility that's all well and good and that's what you want and then they're in a right relationship with adults around them right, right. and with their peers when they don't have a feeling of caring and responsibility and they just have that raw need to dominate when they see someone vulnerable that's their red flag that they just yep. go after yep. and so it's not the the child who's depressed fault there mm -hmm. there is a process happening that goes back probably into the bully's family, or at least the adults around that that uh, that child. Exactly. But on the on the other hand, again, results like this should point to the idea of, you know, maybe don't wait to see if they're going to outgrow it. 
If you notice that your child is showing symptoms of depression that persist over time, this makes them vulnerable to bullies. Right. Because, I mean, everybody feels sad sometimes. A depression is something that lasts more than a couple of weeks. So parents just need to be alert to those kinds of depressive symptoms because it might put kids at risk. Uh, One of the things that the authors talk about in the study is the idea that these depressive symptoms are like a scar that can have lasting impact on the children where uh, it it creates or it's linked to some problems with the development of their social relationships. It's almost like they become stuck in their social development. And that, again, uses language that Gordon Neufeld has talked about, how mental health issues can lead you to become stuck in the maturation process. That's right. And, and you know, there's there's help that, that needs to be, or resources that need to be applied in both these these areas, right, for the the victim, for, right. for the person that's being bullied, and also for the bully. To get the bully to feel some caring and responsibility. That's right. And so the depressed child, uh, it might be professional help. It might just be that you're you're helping them and getting them into situations where they can develop friendships. Or mm-hmm. you're also looking at the relationships, probably first and foremost, the relationships they have with the important adults around them. Right. Is there some way you can affect some change in, in those relationships to make them more resilient, to make them feel more confident and, and, and so on? So there's a number of things you can do for the depressed child. Mm -hmm. There's also things that you need to do for the child who's doing the bullying, who they're being cut off from their own vulnerable feelings, and this is part of what's happened to them. Exactly. So there needs to be help on both sides. Obviously, we tend to focus on the the bullies rather than the victims as being the ones who, who we need to remove and apply consequences to. But, of course, that's not the thing that's going to help the most. And that, I think, brings us to the end. You can visit us at familyanatomy.com or email us at info at familyanatomy.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. And if you're listening on your iPhone or iPod, you can find us on the podcast app. As usual, we'll leave you with a bit of a tune by Brother Love, and he's over at brotherloverocks.com. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. Family Anatomy.com.